I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for coming out on a Sunday evening. We do like to do things at um, awkward times. This is cheaper venues. And the parking, parking was free outside. Parking's free. Yeah, Parking's you're welcome. Free. Isn't it nice? Here we all are together in our creep. Oh, Sophie received a gift. I did. Go I on. just got an amazing, I think everyone saw it, but baby grow. Where's my fucking baby grow, lady? You need to grow. I have two. She's got two of them. I have two of them. Grow a creep. In real time on a podcast. And I would also suggest expanding into dog wear. Also copyright issue. (laughs) Yes, you will be getting our input. So Fiona's business is Baby Dog. And... She is the designer of this amazing creep of the week. There's a hat as well. And hat. And well done, uh, Thank you so much, Fiona. That's it's nice. Yeah. Day. So nice. I'm going to have a baby. Are you? Or an army of little creeps. To get free merch, it is literally, that is probably the most legitimate reason it to have a child. It can't be that hard if the two of you do it. <laughs> it's not that hard. It's, it's actually boring and w- terrible. I hear about people talking about how hard it is, and I get really stressed about how I'm clearly not doing it right. <laughs> so here we are. We discussed briefly what we have for you today. Oh yeah, okay. It's been a journey. You've got. You guys have a creep of the week, so let's start with that. Well, my creep of the week is relating to my story. I don't want to tell you until after. Okay. Because it's so disgusting. <laughs> I think the initial story. Well, we it's sort of a, in. yeah, like the foreplay and then uh, just ram you with the, if <laughs> you I was really disappointed in myself this week because I was like, oh, mine's not like horrendous enough. Oh. And Seb was like, so what are you doing tonight? And I, by sentence three, he was like, just stop with it. 
Just a, what is wrong with you, girl? I went the opposite. I was researching things and I was like, there was a child in a box, it was kidnapped, there was a <laughs> ransom, and then someone put a dog in a freezer and I was like, oh God, no. No. What, alive? I have to know now. It was the rest came of out of the freezer. Put a live dog into the freezer mm. and it froze to death. I, I don't think it's the worst way to go. I think it's, you know how, you know when you get a lobster and it's alive, and they say if you put it in the freezer before you put it in boiling water, that's the most humane. Have they asked the lobsters that? Because <laughs> I think, I think the they would really disagree. To death. That's less bad than <laughs> boiling a Anyway, it wasn't pleasant, so I stopped. Boiling a dog would be messy. <laughs> Imagine trying to wrestle it into the pot. Depends on the dog. You could do a small... Like one of those ornamental dogs. But not a chihuahua. You'd have to it. lean on the lid. Yeah, Stop. they'd still fight you. They'd fight you. Okay. I've seen Tundrum, you know that place, Airfield, with children. And uh, they'd have this photograph. <laughs> they'd have a big chicken thing, go look at the chicken, it's great, or whatever. And uh, on the board in the chicken thing was a uh, chalk drawing of the chicken and how the egg develops. I mean, not, isn't this fucking amazing? So they shit out of the same hole the egg comes out, which is new news to me. But the egg develops so early on in their tiny bodies, like full egg, and then just travels in its full egg form yeah, but through the length of their whole body. It's but terrible. Is it, not, is it, not it actually soft. still sounds better than what we have to do. It's soft. You got me. It's soft. Yeah. That's how it's traveling through. It's like, and it gets hard at the end. But wouldn't it be better then if... Can I just... Did you do biology or anything? I did. did. Oh, right, okay. Did you know about the chicken egg? Um, I did know that a chicken egg was soft, but it went through the thing. It yeah. makes sense now that you're saying it. It would make more sense if it came out soft and then hardened over time. I think it'd be better if all young came out in liquid form <laughs> and then Alex macked it kind of into a baby. Because for 100%. humans... Like, human babies come out of the same hole we should out of too. No, it's just so that that hole. No, here we out. That hole just merges with the other hole. If you're right. unlucky, they yeah. just burst through into one enormous hole. They're I not good with directions. I take back and you know, some women, it's not even funny. And I'm sure they just can't be dealing with what's happened. And we've all, some of us have been there. You don't want to get involved. But the whole gaping area has remained rectum slash vagina for years. And they haven't really known. Just a reminder for anyone who doesn't, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, Jen and Sophie also have a parenting podcast. No. <laughs> now where they offer parenting advice. And other parenting <laughs> anyway, anecdotes. That's sorry, I thought I'd just mention that about the chicken egg. But anyway, back to the stories. So, so I have a, Actually, you're uh, in the right region for my creep of the week. All right, come okay. on. Um, it's Katie Hawkins getting the cunt award. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about this. <laughs> so it, um, it's a YouTuber being marginally less annoying than YouTubers usually are. <laughs> Sorry, it's that bitchy. No. They've, they've entertained me for years, so I, 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 shouldn't be a, I shouldn't be bitchy about it. But basically, so this YouTuber, Josh Peters, um, he's South African. That'll be all I attempt on that. And uh, he basically, he put up a video on YouTube a couple of days ago. Has anyone not seen it? I haven't. I haven't seen it. I've just seen the picture. It's just like, it's like a 10-minute cut together. Like, it's entitled... 
Um, I flew Kaylee Hawkins to Prague to accept a fake award. And the holding image of the YouTube video is Katie receiving a small gold trophy from Josh Peters in front of a projection of the word cunt. Um, and it's basically, she thought she was receiving a award um, to honor her for the campaign to unify the nation trophy. <laughs> and Trophies those words were spelled very tinily between the letters. And um, it's just, uh, it's just, it's an interesting kind of emotional journey because hate Conti Hawkins for sure, that's mm -hmm. easy. But then it did feel really harsh. It's bullying, so <laughs> but it's like fighting fi fire with more fire. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's like not a, a, it's a feces fight. It is, and no one wins. <laughs> but didn't the room from another photograph that when you pan out from just that there was like four people in the room? Oh no, there was like twelve. I know, yeah, it wasn't like a great turnout. So she was she not like a girl? She believes she's that. receiving this award for some from some racist space basically, who want to like kill free speech. So they had kind of invented a fake committee to award the, um, award the campaign to unify the nation. If she's going to go accept that award, then I think she deserves the, the embarrassment. Well, that is true. So like the whole website was built and there was like, I don't know, if you'd gone to the website and actually even spent just a minute, you'd have been like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, <laughs> on the kind of bio page of some of the committee members, all like kind of, you know, obviously white and people. Supremists. And, <laughs> white and South African. White Warning. And like, no there'd be one guy, clearly <laughs> in his 50s. African. What? Well, the white South Africans would be sort of a red flag. Well, white. <laughs> Sorry, I'm wading into territory here. I don't know anything about it. Get her, get her back out. I'm coming back out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so anyway, they had like biopics of everyone on the committee, and like there was one old guy who was like in his fifties, but like his bio said that he was like seventeen. So it was just like, even if you just looked a little bit, you'd have been like, this seems a little suspect. So I suppose almost they gave her every opportunity to have an out, but she was thirsty for the trophy. And so anyway, they received her at this fake dinner. They hired actors. They briefed everyone and was like, now we just want a lot of hate speak. We want a lot of casual racism. We want a lot of moaning about woke snowflakes and, uh, you know, the works. And so then they, awarded Katie, oh, it's all on camera. And like, about this point, I was actually feeling sorry for her. Luckily, she launched into a horrific acceptance speech <laughs> where she um, just absolutely shat all over everyone. People with epilepsy. People with epilepsy. <laughs> Autistic people, Muslim oh. people. I mean, I've just got a few choice quotes from her speech. That's which... so weirdly diabetic. <laughs> I know. I know. Just typing. Um, I, it, it was good because it just at the last possible moment, right before you were about to feel sorry for her, she took care of it herself. Um, I'm just trying to... It's, uh, she basically, uh, I've got some quotes here. Now, they cut together her speech, which some people felt was a little bit suspicious. But a few, some of these quotes now, be really hard. 
I don't know what context you could say them in that it'd be okay. Unless it's like the, the sentence before is, believe the opposite of this. Yes, exactly. Or, I once heard a terrible person say, say this. this. Yeah. Or, so, it would be racist if I said. Yes. For example, quote, if, if you call Muhammad in a school playground in the UK, 2,000 fucking kids come running away and you don't want any of them. There was one. Is it, is it the accent everyone's hard for the place? For the sentiment. I won't do the accent. Um, here's epileptics. Epileptics are all weirdos. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. It's just so bad. It's so bad. Why? Wait, wait. They're up there with the Asians. It's so random. She's just taking the piss now. East London is very shitty at the best of times. 82% are Muslim. What can I say? Um... What can you say? I mean, as in 82% are Muslim, what can I say? Sure. Um, she made fun of Greta Thunberg, uh, calling her an autistic wench. Half <laughs> <Half> true. <laughs> Which half, though? She's, she's trolling you. Don't even. <laughs> Can't put that because I said the thing after. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was just joking as a defense in court. It is. No. Anyway, that was my dream Dude, of the week. The, every time. Uh, it was almost a great hero. Do you happen to remember Josh, like, the big, what's her name again? Katie Hopkins. Expose. Where she was, there was these amazing photographs of her riding some guy in a field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. And they yeah. looked like... She told it. It's up. like her husband or someone. It's, it's no, it was she was having an affair. I think your man was married, and uh, but they were like beautiful. <laughs> there was no way. They were very artistic. You can't see anything. You can just see like you couldn't see anything that would be. They were in a meadow. Yeah. It was Flowers mad. Everywhere. Are you googling that now? Yeah, of course I am. Yeah, you should. Katie, what a dick. I saw a great tweet there the other day of someone, Katie had given out to someone for, uh, oh, Meghan Markle. She was giving out about Meghan Markle being um, a hussy. And she, she had screenshot a, a, a grab from, what was it, Suits. And someone was like, she's acting, like that's her job. And then everyone just started responding with the, with the beautiful nudes of Katie Hopkins. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what she wants. I, look, there you have it. Yeah, it's spinning around there. It's I mean, very you're right. sensual. Where am I looking at? Yeah, come on. If you were riding somewhere in a field, it's unlikely to be daytime, first of all. Do you know? See, it's beautiful. I wouldn't beautiful. say you'd have a cuddle. It's weird. It's like an intent. Oh, it's gross. Anyway. He looks like he is crying. But you know how the Maybe he just has an eyelash in his Anyway, who, who's kicking us up? Cassandra in the rain? Okay, well, I have a... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll kick us off. <laughs> you said you had a BuzzFeed. Okay, headline. my clickbait headline is The call came from inside the big house. Stop right there. We've used that exact BuzzFeed headline. No, we haven't. We said the call came from inside the house. <laughs> big house. <laughs> the big house. Okay. You may proceed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Like, it was reference to our previous headline. I get the joke now, sorry. Okay. Please, please, please don't embarrass me in front of people. Okay. <laughs> Try your hardest. <laughs> so, 
Jared John was seven years of age when he watched the Twin Towers fall, and he vowed at that stage in his life that he would become a soldier. Seven. Seven. He was from Greenville, South Carolina, and most of the boys in his town would grow up to go into the army. But as he was growing up as a teen, he was a little bit um, outside of what you would expect a soldier to be. He loved chorus, and he was bullied, like he loved choir and musicals, and he was bullied for hanging around with, his, he had lots of gay friends. He was straight, but he was bullied anyway. Stop and his twin, he's seven. <laughs> he's you. Yeah. Oh no, oh no, oh no, please don't, don't relate to Jared. <laughs> Too early. Too just early. sit down, let's all just not comment on Jared until we progress. So you did twins. Does he brother, go by Jared John? Jared John and his twin brother, Jacob John, too many. <laughs> Very American. Names, children. Dad and John. JJ and JJ. Dad, Dad John? Uh, John John. John John! <laughs> I don't know what the dad is. Does everyone have a John John in their family? No! I have like two John Johns. Strange. Um, John John. John John, yeah, it's so weird. Mm. I know, that's shorthand for something. <laughs> 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 client, client of a sex worker? Jack is sometimes John. Okay. Could be Jack Jack. We're straight. Let's go back. North Carolina. So, Jared's twin brother Jacob said to Wired that they were both very sensitive growing up and they had a feminine side and they were really bullied because of it. But anyway, Jared was still going to go into the army. Um, and while he was in high school, one of his friends did go into the army. He was deployed to Afghanistan and just 19 days into his deployment, he was killed by a bomb. So Jared and Jacob's mother was like, please do not go to war. Um, she begged him, but he insisted on going. And just two months after his high school graduation in 2012, he went off. In his spare time during training, he recorded videos of himself um, singing songs and Christian hymns, and he posted them to his YouTube channel. Hmm. <laughs> um, but within a year he was deployed to Afghanistan he had wanted to see combat but the reality of him hit it harder than he could have imagined he wanted to see it he wanted to go and be on the okay. front line like he wanted to be a hero okay. but when he got there he was like this is not like a movie this is war this is awful um, and one night his his base came under rocket fire and he was terrified like he just went spiraled into fear and you know it's fucking war yeah and mm. um, two of his close friends were killed and then that but that wasn't the worst of it he when he was on the phone to Jacob one night he told him about a particularly bad firefight and he was shooting away with this uh with his, his like machine gun and he says I don't know for sure but I think I killed a child oh god so and he's in the thick Every of it story you pick the dead kid this one's scale back. Okay, grand. This is not the child in the box story. That's for Tuesday. Oh, okay, okay, fine. That's for next week, guys. Pay attention. Um, so one day, though, while he was, he used to drive around in one of the armored vans. And one day when he was jumping off, he injured his back. He got to go home. He hurt his back. So he was flown to Germany to a military hospital. And he was told there that he wouldn't be allowed to fight again. So he wasn't allowed to go back to Afghanistan. So most soldiers chuffed, delighted, as yeah. he would be. What's it called again to leave? It's, it's sort of a proud way to leave. You know, it's like an honourable discharge. discharge. Yeah, so that's what was happening. But when he was in Germany, he just spiraled down because his whole purpose in life had been to become a soldier. 
So when that was taken away from him, he just felt purposeless and he just didn't know what to do with his life. And he's really young at this stage. Like he's only 19 or 20, I think. And he didn't get a good story in that... He was know, jumping like, out of the car. He was car. jumping down from a van. And like we all know it's very stingy sometimes if you, if you jump from a small height and you get that kind of ankle sting. Yeah. But like... That's kind of not a hero's story. Like he was he probably was picturing bringing back to North Carolina. Yeah, like getting back to the base and just jumping out of the car. Do you know like, if you've ever? Yeah, like yeah, just doing it, doing it shitty, just doing it real yeah. shitty, you know. So, but anyway, in Germany, he it's decided. You I mean he saw some tough shit? I know. So, he lost so, his so far, he's he lost killed a kid friend. and then fallen Sorry, out of the car. You told me like, like he hate him. <laughs> Not looking great. It's very grim for Jared, right? Okay. Sad. War is bad. War is terrible, as you Awful. said. Awful. Just to reiterate. There's no musical theater on YouTube. No. Um, so when he was in Germany, he started drinking heavily, and there he Good got plan. a plan. <laughs> Good plan. He got a local woman pregnant. Oh, fair. That's a twist. Yeah, and then he like he stood by the child. He was caught drunk driving. And then he was confined to barracks. So he's basically like put, he's grounded. He's like not allowed to leave the barracks. Um, and then he attempted suicide with pills, but he did it clumsily in the report that I read. They were the words, not mine. A oh my God, they reviewed him. his suicide yeah. attempt. A clumsy attempt. Problematic. Um, which got him placed in psychiatric care for a few days. So by October 2015, he was discharged and sent back home to Greenville. So I reckon he's about 21 at this stage. Sent and back home. Just making all the right moves. Um, so at that stage, back in Greenville in his hometown, he didn't know what to do with himself. His family gave him a huge welcome, but he just felt like he'd lost all direction in life. He said to Jacob, all I wanted was to be a soldier, and now I can't do that. I just feel worthless. So he was a bit lost. Couldn't hold down a job. His parents were separated and he spent his time in between both the houses. He had nightmares, panic attacks, got into bar fights, and he was diagnosed with PTSD, which is a common occurrence for veterans. So he's put on antidepressants and he started driving for Uber. He got himself a car and became... Oh, everyone's like, ooh. Oh. That is just a little fact of the story. Nothing happens, not exactly anywhere. <laughs> That. Nothing happens. I would not recommend a public-facing role no. for anyone at all, if you can avoid it, but especially if you've got PTSD. So the reason I mentioned that he was working for Uber was because whilst he was working for Uber, he bought a gun to protect himself in case any of the patrons of Uber were dodgy. Again, not slandering Uber, just saying that he bought a gun. Yeah. Okay. So, as time passed, life began to improve a little bit for Jared. He adopted a beautiful German shepherd called Tex. He got a steady job in AT&T selling phones and phone plans. And he moved into an apartment with his twin brother Jacob and he started dating a local woman. I thought he was gay. No, he's camp, but he's not gay. Sorry. No, he's like, yeah, he likes like musicals. A, a gay straight man. Was my like my dad. Yeah. It's a really good energy for straight men, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's really positive. Um, I mean, anybody should enjoy musicals. It's, they're it's, beautiful. They're, it, oh my God, the actual, like the performers. Stop. The virtuosity. We can't. You just have Standing. to be, but like, you can't be in a musical and not be a triple threat, Jen. Like, no, you have yeah, to be able exactly. to sing, dance, and, and that. And the cardio is off the charts. 
It's an incredible amount of talent for one person to have. Does nobody remember the Billy Barry kids? They're still around. That's what they are. <laughs> In an adult form. I don't think any of the Billy Barry kids made it to Broadway. Someone get in touch, if I'm wrong. That is really harsh. <laughs> like Saoirse Ronan's going well, to be treating like, you the tomorrow. The pedigree is there. A Billy Barry kid. I don't know. <laughs> She's the most successful child we've had out of Ireland. She must have been a Billy Barry kid. Um, so in 2017, Jared's girlfriend got pregnant. And though it was unplanned, the couple were really happy about it. He was He's still just calling her local woman. She didn't want to be named, Sophie. <laughs> There's a lot of people in this story who don't want to be named. Okay. So, Jared was overjoyed when his son Jackson was born. So he decided to come off his antidepressants. Really bad idea. Really bad. It idea. depends. Just do it under the supervision of no, the psychiatrist. He just, he just decided to. Oh no, that's never good. Did he um, taper? So sadly, Jared. Cassie, just, tell me he tapered. <laughs> You've got to wind it, it just, up. It was down. a very like he just came off them. Um, so Jared and Jackson's mother soon split up, and Jared returned to twin, Tinder, where he met another local woman who doesn't want to be named. So we're going to call her Lisa. Okay. But she yeah. really, she like, she stressed so much in a lot of the reports that she does not want to be identified. Um, so at the beginning of their relationship, Jared was still browsing Tinder a little bit here and there. Okay. Is that a thing? Yeah, I'm sure. I think that's fair. You keep one foot on the dock, one foot on the boat. <laughs> Not exclusive, fine. I mean, this, in what happened after this, it seemed weird that he'd be talking to Lisa about it, but I anyway. um, So one day he matched with a girl called Caroline Harris, and the two started chatting on the app. And she said to him, I'll be 18 in a few weeks. And he replied, oh, that's cool. When will you be 18? She said, on the 15th, he said, of September. Yes, she replied, how old are you? Oh, are you still in high school? I'm 24. But that was it, that was the end of the conversation. Well, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing came of the conversation. Nothing else happened. There was no discourse between the two of them after that. Then a few days later, on the 10th of September, Jared got a phone call. The caller identified himself as a police detective saying he'd been contacted by Caroline's parents who were outraged that Jared had sexually propositioned their underage daughter. So they wanted Jared arrested, but the detective suggested he tried to work things out with the parents directly. The man on the phone gave him a number to call and Jared was like so bewildered and shaken. He went and he told Lisa about the girl and what had happened, saying that he didn't think he'd done anything wrong but he, if he hadn't, why the hell had a cop just called him? And he thought it had to be some kind of misunderstanding. So he got the number and he called. And a man who said he was James Harris, Caroline's dad, answered the phone. Caroline's mother, he said, was absolutely fuming and was prepared to press charges against him. So Jared really started to panic. But what had he done? This is the thing, he couldn't really remember. He thought maybe had he written something explicit while on the dating app and forgotten about it. If he had, so Caroline, I think, had sent him a picture. Um, I think he had sent back a picture. So there's variant reports. Some say that he had sent a picture and she had sent a picture. Like um, a dick pic and a badge I, pic. No, I think just like pictures. 
Like they had, I mean, it's Tinder. So you I don't have know. Pictures what, uh, of, could you, you not have a history of your chat on Tinder? Yeah, but like the chat is fine, but I think you can send. Oh, okay, like a uh, TikTok kind of style. I don't know. I think it, anyway, this is the thing. Let's not get into the semantics Sorry. of how Tinder okay. works, okay? <laughs> so they, he was really stressed anyway is the point. So whatever was happening, whatever he's been accused of, much, 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 have been plausible when okay. I got there. Yeah. Um, because he was really freaking out over it. And then he was like, if I have her pictures on my phone, am I going to be done with child pornography? So like, maybe he did have some sort of picture, right? Um, likely. And he was getting really, really alarmed because if he'd been convicted, he'd be banned from seeing his two sons. Um, and he thought like he could go to jail. So Lisa and Jared decided to Google the phone number that initially called him. And yes, it came up as being the local police department. Okay. So even more panic, right? So he spiraled and he began texting James to declare his innocence and asking him not to go to the police. Then Caroline's mother got involved in texting saying that if, if um, not only had Jared propositioned their teenage daughter, but they had also canceled her phone because they were pissed off with her and they'd incurred a fine from canceling her contract of like $1,100 essentially. Okay. So they were really pissed off and at the very least he should Pay compensate that. them for that, right? Um, but they kept being like, no, we're going to go to the police anyway. Like we're going to go to the police, right? And Jared was like, I don't have 1100 quid spare. So throughout the evening, Jared was like texting back and forth with the parents, trying to talk them down or at least figure out some sort of compromise. Um, and he at one point texted Caroline's mother and said, I really don't remember talking to your daughter and I'm really sorry for all the trouble. And if I knew she was underage, I would have never willingly asked for explicit photos. So he's, he's kind of like confused about what has happened and maybe being convinced that he has asked her for something or whatever. Um, and he's like, I have two, two kids of my own. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, and then he said, is there, is there a text where I've asked her for an explicit photo? Um, and she replies, you plainly read where she said she wasn't of age, so you can't say you didn't know. I'm not going to sit here and bicker about this. I'd rather let the police take care of it, right? So she's real, like, she's horrible. Like, she's really, you know, going to go, going to hone the police, right? So by the morning of September 11th, he was absolutely terrified um this is in 2018 he is did you say september 11th yeah so it's like ah, yeah it's, it's just a quinky dink that it's 11th of september so uh he said he's like i'm not going to be able to go to my kids soccer games i'll be registered as a pedophile so he's like really really upset and you know traumatized by all this um so lisa had to go to work, but told Jared to call in sick and stay home and get some rest and to drop Jackson back to Jackson's mother's apartment. So he did that and he texted James Harris again to see if they could come to some arrangement. So he's texting him and basically saying, look, is there anything we can do? Keep the police out of this. I'm really sorry. Um, he apologized, but James Harris texts back and said, that Caroline's mother was going to go to the police. Uh, so Jared went into his apartment, took the gun that he had, and took his own life. What? Jesus, yeah. Cassie. I know. Now, hang on a oh, second. That was like a slap this, this, with a... He, are you telling me he doesn't remember? 
He is so confused. But, but bear in mind, this boy, his, okay, he's young. He's only 24 at this stage. He's mentally compromised. He's, talking, he's suffering okay. from really badly from PTSD. He's just come off his antidepressants. He's not, he hasn't slept. And he's being convinced that this has happened and they're going to go to the police. And then one stage, like the, the And he's text, grappling with someone's dad. The texts like, back and forth as well are them saying, oh, we feel so sorry for your kids because you're terrible. You know, like it is. Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's, it's grim, right? Um, so it's actually, it's his twin brother, Jacob, goes back to the apartment and discovers oh, him. Oh, God. But Jacob doesn't know any of what's gone on. You know, at the start, they just think that this is a common occurrence that happens to veterans. They come home from war and a, there's a really high suicide rate. So they're treating it like that. And there's some local reports that are um, to that effect. And it's really sad that they're talking about the rise in suicides and veterans, right? But in the days that followed his death, Lisa revealed the whole situation to Jacob and Jacob told the rest of the family. So Kathy, the mother, Jared and Jacob's mother, Kathy, gets Jared's phone and he, she finds all the texts from James Harris and his wife and their demands for money. So she gets really, really angry and she starts sending texts to the Harrises herself. And she said, this is Jared John's mother. I need to speak to you. He can't speak to you anymore because he's dead. He took his own life. Did you have a clue that you were dealing with a 24-year-old veteran who'd fought in Afghanistan and was very much dealing with PTSD? Your threats of him going to jail and how much he messed up really freaked him out. I hope your daughter knows what she's done in this part too because I find out who she is. Because I'll find out who she is. Shame on you and your wife and your daughter for doing this to him. I hope he haunts you. Probably not the best. <laughs> but she's I was angry. like, no, no, she could dial that up. <laughs> she's I mean, angry, right? The daughter attack. I mean, just leave her out of this. So within if she a, exists. Within half yeah. an hour, she gets reply. I'm sorry for your loss, painful. Plainly, he should not have been texting my underage daughter. I spoke with the detective today and explained Jeez. what was going on, so please don't have me contact him again tomorrow about your threats. So like, this woman is like, that's a mom. Like, that's a real like, oh, don't make me get the detective mom. Up your arse in the parent WhatsApp group. We yeah. need to know. Did, no, did anybody go into So deep Twitter? in that at the moment, senior infants. Like, into his Tinder. Into his Tinder. Is anyone? No, yeah, so Lisa has seen the message. And okay. Lisa said to him when she was trying to calm him down that, like, he's done nothing wrong. Okay. So, like, he has had outside perspective, but he was just, like, really freaking out. Um, so, yeah, at first, everyone just thought this was a kind of, like, a mixture of maybe the blackmail and the, the PTSD and that it was, it was just a normal, um, not a normal, but, like, a suicide because of trauma. Uh, but Kathy and Jacob wouldn't let it rest. So they wanted justice. They were like, no, this was the thing that pushed him over the edge. It was the two of them blackmailing him that caused him to do this to himself. And then Kathy receives a Facebook message from someone called Angel Among Us. Red flag. <laughs> Big red flag. Um, and the message said, you don't know me, but I know you are grieving. Someone who knows why Jared took his life has asked me to contact you for them because they are unable to do so. He doesn't know about your son, but the people who caused Jared to do what he did told him all about it. He is willing to help you prosecute these people, but you need protection from them. Really, really weird message. Okay. 
And Kathy was already suspicious about the Harrises because they were really insistent on getting this money back for the phone. So it was all coming down to thousand <laughs> quid as far as they were concerned. 1,189. <laughs> so over a series of messages, Angel Among Us revealed that there was no Mr. and Mrs. Harris. This was no, but this was no normal con. The scammers, like the informant himself, were prisoners in South Carolina's Lee Correctional no Institution. No way! Sorry, yes. that's kind of gas. So, so <laughs> loads of lads in jail. Sorry, Jen, just back up, people are dead. Well, I mean, that's sad and all, but the, think of the guys in jail just sort of having a... Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm and like, is the eleven hundred for the commissary or? Yes, yes, essentially, right. So the Harrises were actually fifty-nine-year-old John William Doblins and forty-three-year-old Carl Richard Smith, <laughs> two large-bellied prisoners in South Carolina Lee Correctional Facility. Right? Large-belly shame, anyone here? I'm not large-belly shaming, but like, these are not the Harrises, is what I mean. They're not Harrises, and they are certainly not. That's the me. That's photo. why they tracked back the number, and it was the jail. So they were like, "This is the prison." So I guess this got to be true. So the cam, though the scam took advantage of like the modern dating apps, the actual scam, this kind of like type of scam has been going on since the early 90s from prisons. And what they used to do would take out personal ads in gay magazines, strike up like a post kind of relationship with someone, then extort the ones who said they were closeted. <gasps> Awful, right? So then in the digital age... Clever. <laughs> you got a lot of time in your hands in there. And you need some more chocolate bars. <laughs> like that's what we're talking about. Like people are dead for chocolate and like and nice body wash. That's what time on your hands. I mean, you get creative. It I'm actually disappointed. Bad, but they're in jail already. No, they have all the time, and they've only come up with this. I think they could have dreamed wait, bigger. Wait, wait, you know? wait. Just hold on now, there for a second, what about Sophie. Stephen. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, Sorry. In the digital age. The underage girl version of the scam had popped up many times in many parts of America. Um, it's not clear how it started, but like it is deep in South Carolina, that, in that one particular prison. So, though most victims were too embarrassed to seek help, or, too, or they were, the crimes were too small for the authorities to actually do anything about it, by 2018, so many people were reporting about being affected by this underage girl scam that the FBI and the Naval Criminal Investigative Service had to step in and do something. There's this guy called Doug Fodman who runs a blog called thedailyscam.com, great resource. <laughs> and he said at least 800 different men contacted him about the same scam. Sadly, a lot of them actually did die by suicide. But That's sad, but how much was the average that they were making on each so, scam? So, in 2018, five prisoners, between five prisoners and then ten kind of like accomplices on the outside who were basically just taking the money and putting it into their commissary or whatever, they had scammed a total of 442 men out of half a million dollars. Uh, that's amazing. And that goes far in prison. I'll buy you two beds in South County Dublin. <laughs> Actually, it, it probably would. Really wouldn't. That's amazing. 
still I mean sorry to be not that I mean, it's good it's, it's, it's just a thing that's happening it's just a thing that's happening so now they're like trying to get because obviously it all comes down to contraband phones being in prison apparently this is like a huge oh pure bomb and you can get these tiny I've said this a million times these <laughs> tiny phones the width and size of your thumb Jen's trying to import them into Ireland at the moment <laughs> and uh, they're popping them up the bum the, and then they're I don't know like when you're a guest visitor do you go in to the toilet? I guess you're going, you're hardly digging around your underwear. Well, the smartest phone. I, like, you wouldn't be able to run off. If you can't figure out how to get the phone in, you cannot run a con in prison. Well, oh, no, yeah. no, no, you stuff it up your bum. What I'm saying but is how getting do you get it out. to them. You walk in with it up your arse. So you're just going to sit with a phone up your arse in case you're arrested. But like, it's what the are we talking about? You're going in to visit your friend. Yeah, the guest, the visitor goes in, but how does the visitor give it? How does the visitor walk out of the bathroom with a phone turd and give it to the prison? I think by that time you're already in. They so they checked well. you. Anyway, the amazing phone. They have like super battery life and stuff because I don't think you can charge them. So they're like, uh, they last as long as they last and then you dispose of them. Okay, so smartphones.com. Uh, thank you, Cassie. Amazing story. Very clever title. Very exciting. coming from inside the big house. What was the title again? The call was coming from inside the big house. Very good. What are your going to play with jailbait though? Mine Did you is about to be so disgusting. disgusting. Will I wait for you to go to the toilet? Yes. All right, I'll just give you the BuzzFeed headline. <laughs> okay, I worked on this one. Wait, do you want to do your creep of the week that leads into this? No, it leads out of it. Oh. <laughs> All, right, here. All right, let me get it straight in my head. Oh yeah, okay, ready? Is it a more in-depth telling of the chicken egg story? In a way, it's fucking gross. I'm so excited. All right, okay, here we go. I just met you, and this is crazy. And here's my number. I'm gonna fuck your corpse for a year. <laughs> 10 years, I'm gonna fuck your corpse for 10 years. Everyone knows this one. Oh, oh brilliant. Oh. And I was researching it. And there I was, was like, so much eye contact when you sang that. Yours so is the corpse I will choose to fuck. An amazing story. But all my reasons, and I listened to it, it was on my favourite murder, but it was on long enough ago that I remember him listening, I was like, fuck, not that they're listening to us, but... Anyway, it's long enough. I'm sure you're all listening to it already, but I'll and tell you And then they keep deviating from their remit. And I'm like, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. You've got murder in the title. Stay There's no murder. It. Yeah. But there is a kind of a type of murder, yeah. the way somebody would murder your soul years after you're dead. It's fucking gross. Are you ready? Yes. All right. This one is about Carl Tanzler. Yes. <laughs> Yes! You already heard it before. Here tonight. I'm going to tell you it again. You know the way someone in The Exorcist killed someone? That's going to happen, one of our listeners. Like, we're going to be like, there's going to be a story someday and seem like Harry murdered three people and we enabled him. <laughs> no, we didn't. We did, we've you could find all this shit online. He just could have found it through. But in such an entertaining, concise form, I think not. Well, there you go. I always think about how if one of us did something, that would be a Amazing massive boost story. for the patron. Now, anyway. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash creep. Of all the people, I think it's most likely to be you, though. Impossible. Yeah, I know, to. I agree. Do I just Jen would never get away with it. Can you, or should I? I think I'd get away with it. You would definitely get away with it. Can you I'm stop? a terrible driver. <laughs> Are you ready for the story? 
But are you? Who yes. cares about you? Are you I'm ready? ready? I want it. Yes. All right. Do you want a bit of background on Carl? Yeah. First of all, he's not unattractive. Not that that makes a makes a deal of it or not a deal, but when you look at him, you're like, it's not the guy you think. Like you could have gone, you could have got better than a corpse. He did. Okay. Yeah. So Carl uh, is German originally. No, again, I there is something <laughs> happening over there. And I'm not quite sure what it is. He was just born Carl Tanzler, <laughs> but then sometime he decided to give his own, uh, he decided to change his name to Count Carl von Kossel. Uh, <laughs> it was totally illegitimate. He just went by that one day. It's all about um, a personal brand and he knew that. Sure, he fabricated his, that name and that's what he stuck with. Uh, he claimed to be a lot of things, uh, including a submarine captain in World War I, an accomplished inventor <laughs> of nothing in particular. Uh, he also claimed to have held nine university degrees. Back then it was hard to check. Like, once you told a person a thing, you were sort of a thing, I think. Especially if you left Germany and then went to America. Mm, which is crucial yeah. if you're going to start a new life. And it's like, is if you pick things that you're rarely going to be asked about, mm. like no one's Obscure. going to be like, oh, Pop out to the submarine there. Mm. Yeah, but show I, me I how to drive it. If you said I'm an inventor, someone would say, "Of oh, what?" <laughs> I think well, the inventor one. Yeah. Once yeah. you hear about Carl, post it. No one's asking him any fucking questions. Uh, the vibe is, "Thank you for that information. I'm gonna go away from you now and never see you again." Uh, so at the age of 43, still in Germany, he marries. He still always get a woman. He marries a woman, and he had two children. Uh, and the whole family emigrated to America in the mid-twenties. They changed their last name to Von Kossel in the process. So, moderate red flags, nothing to worry about too much. I mean, just spoof, spoofer. I mean, what harm could he be? The problem with the degrees were they were all sort of in the medical area. Yeah, it, it's People mad. are very drawn to that. And it's like, why don't you just pretend that your degree is in something that's not going to change your life? But like, why would you pretend to have an arts degree? <laughs> no offense. Like there's definitely arts degree people. But in the twenties, everyone was dying age twenty anyway. So like medical people, what were they really doing? <laughs> like everyone was just gonna die real. Yeah, got TB. Not much we could do. They had like the heroin and the cocaine. That's kind of what they're actually their major yeah, yeah. And uh, so anyway, so they arrived at their final destination, Florida. He, oh my God. he could. He might actually be the original Florida man. It's too perfect. Zephyr Hills, a place in Florida. Nice place. Uh, not that nice. And about to get a hold on. Weirder. Small place, in fact. So small, everyone sort of knew what was happening with everybody else. But nobody really did anything about it. Because he's weird. He's German. Maybe that's the kind of thing they do. So anyway, uh, as soon as they, pretty much as soon as they arrived, he just abandoned his wife and children and took off. <laughs> the American dream. The American <laughs> dream. Uh, in 1927, he took a job as a radi radi radiographer, basically, in a, in a US Marine hospital, Key West. So there, in fact, he kept mostly to himself, but people said he was kind and nice, which is what people say when people don't want to get too involved. Pleasant and cooperative. He's fine. <laughs> Uh, everything changed on April 22nd, 1930, when a 20-year-old Cuban named Maria Elena 
de Hoyos was admitted to the tuberculosis ward. She was obviously had TB. She was unwell, but she was a ride. <laughs> Everybody could see it. She was a renowned beauty. Now, Dying but beautiful. There's a little bit of, of background on Carl at this point. Carl had been seeing dead people for quite some time up to this point. One dead person in particular was his aunt, who used to visit him a lot and tell him about his future wife. He so hold on, his, his ghost he's aunt. Seeing okay, because you say seeing dead people yeah, is like, like casually dating them. Oh, sorry. Yes. Oh, I was like, That's I in fact what's going to happen. Cursing corpses. Sorry. Like, <laughs> That's where it's all going. Yeah. It's a fallopian twist. Uh, <laughs> so when he clapped eyes on Elena, Carl was like, oh, fuck. That's her. Oh, yeah. That's my future wife. Elena was like, get the fuck away from me. I'm 20 and you're 58. Oh. But I have TB. So my, I'm weak. So we couldn't bat him away with much force. In my mind, he reminds me of a, like a Savile kind of character. In the oh. Oh, oh. I was picturing Johnny Depp. No. Oh. Oh. No, like current Johnny Depp. I know I described him as attractive. Yeah. Somewhere between Johnny Depp and Jimmy Savile lies. Oh, I feel like cool. most people are between Jimmy Savile and Johnny yeah. Depp. Yeah. Oh, they've gotten a lot closer on the spectrum in the last few years. Yeah, yeah, sorry, they have. R.I.P. Johnny Depp. So, I mean, his soundness, like, like his soundness has plummeted. So Carl was madly in love, right? Saw Elena, it was like I'm having her. <laughs> One way or another. So he attached himself to her and decided to be sort of her personal medical saviour. He was going to save Elena. Mm. Elena's family were not rich at all and were delighted that this doctor person was taking interest in Elena. They were like, yes, we're, we want a cure. Real, fake, we'll take a doctor, whatever. Sure, and he yeah. was performing fake shit on her all the time. <laughs> so she was released from hospital back into her gaff and Carl started doing home visits. Like... Stay overnight home visits in order to use his machines. Like, Elena was alive. The whole thing is a disaster. So anyway, the family were like, we're, we're freaked out by this guy, but he's our only chance. Yeah, fair so enough. So he really targeted this horrific victim in a sad way. Especially Elena's sister, who was just fucking having nothing to do with cute. She just thought this was... Like she knew what was, everyone knew what was happening. So apparently he yeah. was saying to Elena while she was sort of dying, like will you marry, proposing to her a lot. And she was like gasping. Yeah, he was TV. like administering medication yes, with a bone. Still rejecting oh. her. Like, you know, you just picture him like leaning over the bed, you know, and mm. like the, you know, the discos where yeah. you just kind of dance, but like <laughs> you have to keep the, the crotch away. Yeah. Remember that? He's just doing that. So, not long after all the fake medical shit, she died. Thank God. Oh, I forgot, he's not a doctor. No, yeah. He's not a doctor. He's not even a doctor. No, so luckily she And the died. heroin and the cocaine probably pro the Possibly, hopefully for her, but she was 21 when she died. Um, terrible. Uh, Carl was pretending to be devastated, uh, but phase two was about to kick in. <laughs> So Carl was like, look, 
you guys don't have a lot of money. I'll take care of the burial. Don't worry about it. It's on me. And the family are like, okay, uh, it's not that expensive. I mean, if you want to do a thing, that's... So he built her a marble mausoleum. It was. It looked very much like a hop, like with a small door and a, you know, like a bungalow made of marble. Do you know when you go abroad, away, sometimes you see these like small houses. Anyway, that's what he built. And he, everyone was delighted and they but stuck, small houses in the graveyard, stuck yeah. flowers on the outside and everyone was delighted. So, yeah. but what the family didn't know was that there was a key to this door and Carl was the only person who had this key. Okay, flawed for a second. Mm. If, like, all well and good building the thing and the whatever, why did he actually keep the body there? Would he not have kept it elsewhere? As like he's actually going in and out of this... He's going to be a whole part of it for him. He's going in and out under he the cover it. of darkness. But he does, he yeah, does eventually... Wait, he does... Remember. Oh, wait, there's more phases. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. is just phase two, getting to know you. This is like, yeah. So they just want to rush things. You don't phase want to move one is like, soon. <laughs> took the words out of my mouth. So phase two was in full flight. So he was in and out under the cover of darkness for two fucking years. So what he used to do was in the nighttime would come down and he'd pack his little beautification bag, much like a. You see those makeup artists now that arrive with a wheelie case? Yeah. That's what he had. So in the wheelie case, he had... <laughs> those little tree air fresheners. <laughs> yeah. He had a lot of perfume. He had uh, gloves, jewellery, dresses. Uh, he had a lot of makeup. He had strips of silk and wax, right? So what he was oh, yeah. doing in there... Fashioning first of all, his skin. He was injecting her body with formaldehyde to try and delay the decomposition process. He was dressing her in various, he had different every day of the week. He was basically, the, it was a small town, and Carl was clearing out the local boutique. Yeah. Like, clearing it out. <laughs> and they knew Carl had left his wife, and I mean, there was nobody that they knew of. I'm like, well, whatever, Carl's clearly wearing the clothes. See you later, buy all the shit, that's fine. Uh, so he was sneaking in there with his bag of gear. He was, he was stripping the strips of silk, dipping them in the wax, and putting them over her skin to try and keep her together. Right, her scalp and the hair. skin was trying to. Flee. Everything was trying to flee, Carl. Her skin and hair had like her scalp just fell away, right? So he backed that with a net. So he had a wig, and uh, but what happened? Full of potpourri. Was yeah, you're not wrong. So he also stuffed her whole body with rags to try and keep. <laughs> so anyway, two years of this shit, right? The body. A, a body decomposed after two years, you're looking at nothing really at all. Unless you've interfered with it a lot in this paper mache bullshit. Paper mache and cum is what was holding her together at this point. And he had a bit of lipstick and a bit of eyeliner and he was still like, so he was sort of, he wrote and uh, he ended up writing a bit about it later on. But at the time he, he said he, He's pretending that she came to life and wanted all this shit, you know, classic mad shit. I mean, hashtag consent. <laughs> so anyway, two years this went on. And then phase three. One day, Carl was like, it's time to initiate phase three. I need, it's time to move in, like you said, Cass. We need to get... Take again. Next stage. It's the next stage, right? So he, he didn't even do this at night. He arrived to the mausoleum in daylight hours with a children's, like a you know one of those pull behind, 
uh, carts. Like a wagon. A toy wagon. A little red wagon. He, he loaded her in. One of the most innocent objects. Yes, there's witnesses to this, right? They were like, oh, because she looked very much like a doll now. I'm sorry, we're just point. getting ready for the end. <laughs> the big reveal. So uh, one day he was like, look, we're coming. At this point, she wasn't going back to a palatial gap. He'd been fired from the job because... He, he wasn't was good at it. Not good at Imagine it. Imagine other areas of his life suffered during the succession. <laughs> Loads. Yeah, like, no one, like, much the, like her flesh, it just fell into shit. Fell away. Wasn't keeping up with the child support, I'd say. Oh, no, see you later. He lived in a complete <laughs> shithole. Oh, so he arrived the back reek of Carl, to like. this, like, shanty town with your one in the back of a toy thing, and he started creating, like, a life with her. He had like hooks on this. He was sort of there are people the sitting behind you who can see those images. <laughs> oh, sorry. And they I are already oh, oh, I should reveal it. This is what she looked like when he came home with her. Oh my god. I mean, you, it's not that. You still would. <laughs> she looks consenting, in fairness. It kind of doesn't look dissimilar to an art attack paper mache. It's kind of what you'd imagined. Sorry, everyone's like, the I eyeliner seen is good. So the makeup is good. Here I have a bit of strong. The eyes are quite realistic. Not sisters, but cousins. <laughs> so this was his new life. He it's was very uh, MJ. He had hooks on the ceiling, oh my God, right? We're just slandering everyone. So he would hook the her. So at this point, her joints obviously are all complete. All the flesh is gone. So it's skeletal and paper mache, and he had uh, wire hangers. Have we, just have we fact checked the paper mache or is that? That's what became of the silk and the cum. Okay. And then the wire hangers holding her joints together. Um, I'm gonna get into her downstairs mix up later, but she, so she was stuffed with, so it's like a big rag, life-size rag doll, and he had a hooks in the ceiling, so he used to like dance with her. And not only that though, he, what was really weird was he built what was called a modesty curtain, which I think was a thing at the time, but it was a curtain that ran down to end the bed. So you'd get a bit of privacy or something. Anyway, it was a nod to giving a shit of... Uh, uh, I felt like that was kind of nice. <laughs> uh, so he had stuffed glass eyes in her skull. In her skull. And um, he obviously had the lipstick going and her teeth were still there, but he was holding them all in with, you know, whatever. Uh, kisses. With his own mouth. <laughs> his own mouth, yeah, it's a constant pressure. Um, so she was in, most gloves were working well because obviously the fingers were all falling, out, falling all over the place. So he just stuffed the fingers down the arms of the gloves. So... <laughs> He was doing mad shit. He definitely completely lost it at this point, right? I legitimately. Because after yeah, the fight, quite experimental. they found this, at this point. again, what looked to be a paper mache aeroplane in his back garden. And they were like, so, okay, well, fucking the, this doll thing, but what's the, with the aeroplane? And he was like, oh, I was going to fire her into space, obviously, because that would reanimate her. We, I mean, me and her discussed it. It, was, it all went... But before all of that happened, Carl had to be caught. So Carl was caught by a small boy in the village reporting to his mother that Carl was dancing with a lady every night. Like this little boy would be watching Carl the whole time, dancing with this. So anyway, he kind of reported to his mum. His mum was like, what the fuck is this? 
never traveled back to your one's sister. Ah. And she was like, oh, hell no. Burst out of her gaff up to Carl's shack. Knocked on the door. Carl answered, your one's sitting in a chair on the other side of her. Her sister was like, oh, excuse me, Dr. Carl, but what the fuck is that? <laughs> Carl was like span out of control with the bullshit. The sister was like, you're fucked now, Carl. And Carl was caught then. Right? So that was 1940. The gig was up. It had been 10 years. Jesus. That's longer so, than a lot of committed relationships. They, 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 obviously the police were called, off he went. An autopsy on the body. The autopsy's oh, bullshit. No. They just kind of took the clothes off and it all <laughs> fell apart. Uh, but he had fabricated a paper vagina, which confused everybody. That's going to get soggy. Well, that's what... Anyway, there was very a lot of focus on her vagina, which everyone was like, oh, obviously. Everyone was just like full of questions, of course. Full of questions. And he answered them. He answered them in a book he wrote about it. But his book, and even a lot of the reporting was, the people in the area started, they sort of felt sorry for him. I know, it's so weird, isn't it? To be like, poor guy, he is just unrequited love. Yeah, actually it was totally peddled as like some the kind of like rom-com scenario for ages. Suggesting they were in love, it's obvious bullshit. Anyway, so Carl ended up not going to jail because the statute of limitations. No one understands why that's still a thing. Why is it? Who knows? Because of all the paedophiles that are also presidents. Okay. <laughs> That's the okay. Social worker told me about that. All right. And anyway, oh. so Carl didn't go to jail. And wait for this. His fucking wife took him back. The original oh. wife. That's not even the weirdest part. So she nursed him to death. Well, I don't know. But she, but he had built himself a replica, right? So apparently, about, I don't know when, it, anyway, Carl was found dead a month after he died in the arms of this fucking doll. So he's dead now. So that's sad and anyway, it's all over. But then I was like, this is sad because all we ever do is talk about men that are weird. No offense to men, it's just that's who seem to be weird all the time. <laughs> Until I Googled uh, top 10 necrophiles. Oh, okay. So obviously you know what a necrophiliac is, I presume. Does anybody not? People who, of course. <laughs> so here I say, I googled famous necrophiles and lo and behold, a woman appeared on the list. Just, this is just a quick one. This is fucking gross. Oh, this gross. is your creep of the week? Yeah, this is my creep of the week. Karen Greenlee. Imagine, right? sorry, imagine you sitting there and you were like, so few. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm already worse. You'd be like, Elaine. <laughs> that lady's name is Elaine. Elaine. I'm just listening with great interest because I feel it's easier to be a male necrophilia. She answers your question. I let her let's hear it. So, uh, we are in the year 1987, or sorry, 1979. Uh, a lady, this lady, Karen, drove off the corpse in a hearse. She worked, she had a history of working in all, what do you call that dead area? Yes, undertake more truck, whatever you say. Uh, so she was she had a long history. This was her job, and uh, she this is a long. She fucking did this interview anyway. She went. She ended up. Did she go to prison for that? She got caught. She drove off in the hearse with a dead guy, young guy, right? That she nicked from work. She like. nicked from work. Two days passed. 
then she was found, then the hearse was found, then a four-page letter written by her was found. And it's just confessing all the shit she did to him. It was mad, like, she clearly is mad. But anyway, so anyway, she uh, didn't go to jail because the state that she was uh, committed in didn't have a law against necrophilia. She did some sort of interfering with the dead shit. She just served probation. She didn't go to jail. But what she did do was do a candid interview with Adam uh, Parfrey in 1987, true crime book, Apocalypse Culture. This fucking interview is unbelievable. She later said she shouldn't have done the interview. <laughs> <laughs> but I just it's, a lo- it's long, but here's the, here's the best bits, right? So here's a qu- so the interviewer said, she so basically she cited fear and love relationships as, mo- as motivating factors, but also an intense attraction to men who were no longer living. We know that. <laughs> so a que- the question I am uh, often asked is, how yeah. do you do it? Yes, that's the question, she said. People ask that. Uh, like, even people who seem pretty cool and seem to have an open mind. <laughs> <laughs> then when you tell them, they say, that's very interesting, and they don't want to have much to do with me. <laughs> I don't mind telling people how I do it. It doesn't matter to me. But anyone act sexually shouldn't have to ask. Oh. Bitchy. People yeah, have the misconception that there has to be penetration for sexual gratification in your face. That's bull. <laughs> the most sensitive part of a woman is the front area anyway, and that's what needs to be stimulated. She's just dry humping. But she's, she's just shitting. dry humping and rigor mortis So besides, I don't know, there she are... even deserves her place on that list. <laughs> <laughs> but just you wait. <laughs> besides, there are different aspects of sexual expression. Touchy-feely. <laughs> 69. Even holding hands. I'm going to oh. use this when I have to have the talk with my kids. Perfect. The body is just lying there, but it has what it takes to make me happy. The cold, the aura of death, the smell of death, the funeral oh. surroundings, it all contributes. <laughs> the smell of death. Sure, I find the odour of death very erotic. There are death odours and there are death odours. Now, you get your body that's been floating on the bay for two weeks, or a burn victim. That doesn't attract me much. <laughs> that but, don't impress me much. But a freshly embalmed corpse is something else. There's also this is fucking that's gross. the smell of embalm in the morning. The track, the attraction to blood. Okay. When you're on top of a body, it tends to purge blood out of its mouth while you're making passionate love. Then she says, you'd have to be there, I guess. <laughs> and then she says, of course, with all that AIDS going around, that adds to it. <laughs> the moral of the story here is that she ends the interview deciding that it's us that have the problem. We need to shut the fuck up. She's happy. Fuck off. Leave her alone. The more I talk to these people, the more I realise necrophilia makes sense for me. The reason I have a problem with it is because I couldn't accept myself. I was still trying to live my life by other people's standards. To accept it was peace. These people are always trying to change me. (laughs) Only helped me get me more in touch with my feelings. I used to go from therapist's office to funeral homes. It didn't work, folks. There you go. I forgot forgot to say a last bit of poor Elena. So just an added bit of uh, embarrassment to the rest of her shitty life as a doll corpse. The authorities put her on display and 7,000 people came to view 
the fucking paper mache disaster. Our that ancestors. That was her basically. <laughs> What a weird! Do you remember? Did I only go see that bodies exhibit, exhibition? Yeah. Yeah. That was great. That was great. That was. It, it was really. The smoker's lung was. <laughs> was was jarring. I stopped smoking for twenty four hours after <laughs> Short term effect. Anyway, batten down the hatches. So, give us what a buzz feed. Um. Oh, and my headline is. Muscular angels. And mm. um, I definitely knew there was a better wordplay, but I just couldn't reach it. It's sad. But is this grown man, grown, grown men in nappies? That's my line. <laughs> no, no, it's not. That's your that. line. That's your line. It is. Yeah. Grown men in nappies. Yeah. Right. Good to know. I wouldn't Good touch to know. that with ten. <laughs> you wouldn't oh. touch that with paper uh, paper mache corpse that was ten foot long with all of its bits hanging off. I might uh, could do now, that. I'm with her. I've spent extended periods in a hospice, and I too am not that into grown men in that. It's not great, but it's coming for all of us. Just know it. <laughs> That's why pensions are pointless, save for dignitas. <laughs> True fucking story. Fact. Anyway, can we? Can they should sponsor us. Upbeat, oh know. my gosh, Dignitas will not sponsor us. Do you remember we did the charity show with Bernardo's, which was great. Everyone was great. Gave the money over. But I wondered ever, do they know who the fuck we are? No, no it's not like at all. One time we they had did them. ask me what the podcast was about. What did you say? And I was like, creepy stories. Full stop. We one time had a, um, it's funny because we've been going for a year and most podcasts who, who are going for this thing get a sponsor. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have any idea why we wouldn't be attractive. To but people. we had one inquiry one week for um, from Transport for Ireland. <laughs> and it was the week of the story of the twins running into the traffic. Um, <laughs> We just can't laugh ourselves they were just endlessly. Like, I feel like your content isn't aligned to our content, but and like our values are different. Yeah. I was like, fair. We tried to get a sponsor on Mother Pod, and I emailed Jurex and was like, we are your friggin' best advertisement. And she didn't get it. Oh, listen. People are shit. <laughs> That's why we're on tour. <laughs> Constantly. Fuck you, Transport for Ireland. And, and that is the end of that. <laughs> but if you would like your brand featured here... <laughs> Wait, that baby clothing brand! She's our first sponsor. Except you have to do more than one thing for one person. Baby dub. Baby dub. Repeat the buzz, please. Okay, so I called it Muscular Angels, which is stupid. Um, I also call it What a Load of Malarkey. Okay. Oh. Okay, so. Um, oh, I see. Yes. Okay, right. <laughs> so in 2004, Kevin Malarkey. No way! Yes. <laughs> was driving to church in Ohio. Um, he just moved there with his wife, Beth, uh, their oldest son, Alex, who's six, and in the car, and a new baby. They've just had a new baby. So. We all know that it's a shit show when that happens. But, and so obviously Kevin was like, anything to get out of the house, church. No, they actually were quite devout. 
Anyway, he was on his way to church with his son, six-year-old Alex, when the car, in Kevin's word, was T-boned. And Kevin mean? was thrown 50 feet clear of the car. Right? Hold on, is Kevin the dad? Yeah. Who was in the front seat? Driving. Yeah. And he was thrown 50 feet out of the car. Out of the car. So are we talking like a 50 feet distance or like 50 feet in the air? Like what yeah, else? like I think it sounds to me like it's an arc of 50 feet. Landed. No seatbelt him. But escaped. Uh, unscathed. What? Yeah. He credits God and a crew of angels for catching him in his fall. Um, well, you're saying now, in an interview with um, conservative broadcaster Laura Ingram, um, he is quoted as saying, I was on my cell phone when the accident happened. <laughs> and I'm not proud of that, Laura, let me tell you. He also couldn't remember if he was wearing the seatbelt. Um, so all good decisions there. And now, son Alex, not nearly so lucky, sadly suffered What's called, and this is where Seb stopped me earlier, internal decapitation. What does that mean? Which is only marginally less bad than the full decapitation. External. I've so never it's basically it. that the skull has detached oh from the spinal column, but all the flesh in the neck is keeping it all kind of in the same area. Yeah, sorry guys, okay. There's so many faces here. There's so many different faces. Oh, Can I ask, was it a rear-facing or a front-facing yes. car seat? Oh my god. <laughs> sorry. I know. Don't draw them on us. They're everywhere. It's a niche, very niche reference parents will get. And someone's nodding there, yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah, they're up your hole every fucking day about rear-facing. Um, so, <laughs> so, internal so if anyone listened to Dr. Death, actually, which is a freaking amazing series, he internally decapitated his mate. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Just during surgery. So, by accident. I mean, he was kind of a screwy doctor, wasn't he? He was just like wacky. Do you know, have you not listened no, to Dr. No, Death? No, oh, no, it's very good. Oh, get involved, it's so good. It's my real comfort listen, do you know those? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, x-rays showed basically that the skull and the spinal column were just no longer attached. Shit. So, Alex was in a coma for the next two months, and, um, but he was living, and like no, that alone was a miracle, they felt. Um, about a month after the accident, Again, according to Kevin, malarkey, <laughs> Alex's head became reattached on its own with no medical intervention, which that doesn't happen um, at all. And also, what the fuck were the doctors doing if not in some way trying to intervene? One would hope. But they discovered that it had reattached when they'd been preparing to do some kind of surgery and they took an x-ray and they were like, ah, it had the spine just under its own steam just patched itself up. What? Now, throughout this whole time when Kev, Kev, uh, Alex, sorry, the six-year-old was in a coma with the head lolling like a bladder on a stick or something, um, 40 pastors were keeping round-the-clock vigil around this boy's bed so it's possible doctors literally couldn't get at him 
I don't know. But they were praying like bejesus, I'd say. Now, they also had a website set up straight away, because the Christians are very commercially minded. And um, it was called PrayForAlex.com. And at any one time, apparently thousands of people around the world who had become extremely invested in this family story were praying for Alex.com. And um, so he thought he wouldn't make it. Then he woke up. Miracle of miracles. Initially, couldn't speak, but gradually he actually did start to talk again and even began to refer to his own experience in the aftermath of the crash. So, turns out Alex, six years old, had watched the whole aftermath God. of the crash from heaven. Oh. Yeah, great reception up there. <laughs> Alex described things he couldn't have known, according to Kevin Lamarckie. <laughs> like that Kevin had been taken away in an ambulance, which to me is less high impact than I think Kevin believes, because I know six-year-olds, they are obsessed with emergency vehicles, one. They fucking know what an ambulance is and what it does. Nobody is more up on emergency vehicles than six-year-olds. Um, Alex told them that he watched all of this play out from the lap of Jesus. <laughs> Christians would think that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> Very good thing. It's a very good thing. Very good. He even says. Sorry, just I can't. Okay, sorry. Can't yeah. The muscular. Okay. The muscular angle. Is he going to? Where is Jesus being buff coming into this? Like, just I oh, need no. to know. Okay, <laughs> so you just want me to tell you about the muscular no, angels like, straight I'm just, away? Like, getting the angels and getting the Christian thing, but like, is there a mat? Like, is is Alex buff? Is is <laughs> I've been buff? Like, Jesus. who is buff? Poor Alex is not. Well, but he is six now at this point. I can't believe you're stuck on the, the muscular Where does it come in? It's like, do they well, all just go to the angel gym and then they all get into both angels? Surely they're buff from the get-go. Yeah. Depends okay. how you died. Or do you get buff as... No, no, no Alex was just describing about. what he saw in heaven from the lap of Jesus. And he was like, muscular angels, tall gates to heaven, God's throne, the devil... Apparently, brief cameo. <laughs> uh, his hair was flames, which is fucking metal. Oh. Right. Anyway, so, so that's where the bust, I know, Thank you. shit headlines. I know. <laughs> no. Anyway, so. I just thought it was going to be more pertinent to the story that they were going to get buff. <laughs> so it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's like a kind of operation transformation yeah, of biblical proportions. <laughs> Let me present that. I'll take over, Catherine. <laughs> I'll just flicker away. Okay, so, <laughs> Karen. <laughs> As I said, Alex watched the whole aftermath of the accident from the lap of Jesus in heaven. And um, when Kevin, his dad, asked if he was scared, Alex, the little scamp, who's obviously got an ear for timing, was like, hello, lap of Jesus, dad. <laughs> <laughs> he also said... Um, that, so this is Alex recounting, that when the doctors went to put a bolt in his head, like down below in the ER, um, that was gonna be a device to help the brain, help reduce potential for brain swelling, Jesus suggested at that point, head off to a different part of heaven there, because you don't need to be seeing that. 
And Kevin said later, they never told Alex about the bolt in his head. And I don't know, like, I suppose just there could have been myriad other ways that Alex could have found out, apart from watching from the lap of Jesus. Doctors or nurses could have mentioned it. He could have just felt it, perhaps. It's, I, I believe him. I think some of this shit is tenuous. Okay, okay, also, he was just like in a coma. He could have he heard things. And look, anyway, sure, look, we let it go because no Christian's ever done anything dubious or unsavory in the name of God after all. <laughs> Uh, Alex said heaven was amazing. Hello, that but Jesus dad. Heaven was um, what here was supposed to be, which is a shit thing to find out when you're sick. <laughs> Lots of people don't find out for a while. And um, he saw muscular angels, uh, the throne of God, and he said, as you know, a young child, that he can't wait to go back to heaven. Which is great. Imagine, um, <laughs> imagine running around as a six-year-old saying that, that's creepy. Well, actually, Kevin Malarkey had a background in psychology, and I heard him in an interview saying that Alex was quick to reassure him, not in a bad depression-y way, okay. but just in a, like, it's going to be cool one day. Oh. <laughs> so, um, it was a very intense time for the family, right? So Alex was still, like, this was a few months after the accident, and they've got people around the world praying for Alex.com. And um, the family's spiritual battles were, um, the family felt, very real. And um, they, so Beth, the wife, had kind of a blog and stuff. And she'd written stuff about how she sensed that Satan himself was taking time out of his pants-dropping schedule to demoralize Alex in his recovery. And so the local church that the family would have been like really connected in with were all like actively working to battle demonic forces in real time, which is great. And um, at one point, the pastor of that church uh, said that he and a friend just out of the blue one night were inspired to drive to the Malarkey family home and walk a circle around the house praying for the family's immediate spiritual protection from some kind of demonic force. And he was said to have said the war was very real. Uh, how the was spiritual it warfare was very real. And uh, How was it manifesting? Like I think that probably what we're looking at here is a family who've just moved to a new area, they've just suffered a trauma, and they're probably going through emotions. And some Christians in the vicinity sensed demonic forces were just kind of bombing them out, yeah. you know, a bit like that. But people around Alex started having spiritual experiences, supernatural sort of experiences, like in the hospital and stuff. So one night, a volunteer um, who was staying in Alex's room, this is really sinister, heard a faucet turn on and off, run water three times. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> After that, she said, I had the distinct feeling I was in the presence of angels because that is what angels do. Known for it. Rinsing. They're just rinsing constantly. Before the dishwasher. <laughs> it's really important. Under the tap. Get the big bits off. The Lord's work. Taking care of the egg yolk. Yeah. 
the Weedabix, oh, the yes. muscular angels. <laughs> so anyway, um, she sensed that the angels were holding Alex's neck and, you know, cooing to the spine and being like, that's right, spine. Just up now, a few inches to the left there. Um, he, Kevin, the dad, said that he felt God's presence one day just telling him at church, he will walk. He doesn't walk. <laughs> I mean, there's still time. Alex is young enough still. So fingers crossed. I don't know. <laughs> All the things. So then the family were gifted off the back of this story, um, a big 15-passenger van, which is just the most American family vehicle ever. So this is kind of like 18-wheeler um, gift from the local church with the red plate, Will Walk. Oh, so much pressure. <laughs> Loads of pressure. I'm counterintuitive. Like, yeah. if you want someone to walk, don't give them a car. Uh -huh. <laughs> Bicycle. <laughs> a bicycle. Or just like some fucking rehab. Just give that kid rehab. That, or that, or that, or that. <laughs> okay, so Alex basically came fully out of the coma and miraculously his brain suffered no damage. He um, was and still is uh, quadriplegic. He can speak, um, he sings. Just like John John Jeremy John John. This is John, a legit John, John. miracle. I mean, this is an incredible recovery. Like he's done well. Yeah. To recover at all, um, yeah, pretty much. Now, the family kind of had local celebrity, uh, until in January two thousand and nine, um, Alice became like the first, I suppose, like civilian to get the Christopher Reeves. Uh, surgery. Do you remember famously Christopher Reeves got the surgery that allowed him to breathe without the ventilator for periods of time? Okay. And so the family got a bit of media attention because Alex was treated by the same doctor and got the same um, diaphragm pacing system installed. And um, then after the kind of little flurry of a bit of media attention, um, Kevin, the dad, said that um, an Associated Press reporter covering the surgery told him that he should write a book. And Kevin was like, about what? Um, and so Kevin came up with an idea to write a book about Alex's miraculous recovery and his trip to heaven. Laugh at Jesus, Dad. And so Beth was categorically opposed. Hmm. Uh, you know, anyone who has Alex's kind of needs, their health is very precarious. It was six years on from the accident, so he was like 11, 12, but like frequently unwell. Um, and she just was like, absolutely not, we're not exposing him to this, we're not exposing our family to this. So of course Kevin took this on board and decided to put the health of his sick son and his wife's wishes ahead of a potentially lucrative publishing deal. Lol, no. <laughs> Within four months, Kevin had an agent <laughs> named Matt Jacobson. And um, she was against everything from the start, Beth. Um, but Kevin was getting the little dollary do signs in his eyes. And um, the boy who came back from heaven was published God. the following year with Alex and Kevin Malarkey listed as co-authors 
It became a New York Times bestseller, of course. Did Oprah recommend it? <laughs> <laughs> Must have been okay. Um, or is it just the kind of Jesus folk? It's just the Jesus stuff is mega. Like, so Tyndale House is the big major Christian publishing company that did uh, the book with them. And they have annual revenues of about 175 million which is just not what people make in publishing, I can tell you. <laughs> so sad. So they own, for example, they own the rights of the most popular version of the Bible, the New Living Translation, so they are literally richer than God. Wow. And, and every Christian publisher knows the books about purported visits to heaven are very popular, highly lucrative genre of religious books in the U.S., so we've had kind of a bit of a spate of them. We had, in 2004, 90 Minutes in Heaven, which I played in secondary school. <laughs> but, um, That's an actual book, <laughs> 90 Minutes in Heaven spent over five years on the New York Times bestseller list and what? sold over six million copies. That's insane. We're six changing this million. podcast. We're the Christ diet from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Go get your gores somewhere else. It's so good. It's such a minor... Like brand identity tweak as yeah. well. Um, what else? Uh, Heaven is for real sold over 10 million copies, and the film adaption starring Greg Kinnear uh, earned 101 million at the box office. So we're all in the wrong game. Um, at that time, um, so when the book came out and stuff, Alex was like sort of you know, still talking about his spiritual experiences. He was still young, like he was 11 or so. Um, but Beth very much felt that like the agents in the publishing house, just their sole focus was just on the deals, the money, Kevin, and that Alex was getting lost in the mix a lot. And also she could see that it all was starting to make Alex really uncomfortable having to talk about the muscular angels, the lap of Jesus, the whole trip to heaven. And, um, they had kind of they did a documentary in uh, conjunction with the book coming out and like alex barely appears in it the mother barely appears in it suspicious and um, also alex hated the cover of the book i just thought it was surprisingly tasteful like it's just kind of like faded angel wings and then the silhouette of a boy in a wheelchair <laughs> god's sake it's just more fun to think of whatever that in your head. That's more fun than the real cover, believe me. Um, so anyway, there was like passages in the book that were like purporting to be direct quotes from Alex and everything. So it was like from the mouth of Alex. And then there'd be like a long italicized passage that was just like, I presume, like, you know, six-year-olds, again, they will go and go it's with not the talking. Like, they don't, there's no off switch. There's no beginning, middle, and end. I yes. Mean, it's just a monologue of senseless boredom. It's wild yeah. shit. Wildly Maybe rewarding, no? No. Well, <coughs> your pretend to look interesting face kind of, you tend to droop. I do, down one side. It gets a bit obvious. <laughs> anyway, never mind. Back she to does to us every week. <sighs> but I'd say they had a wealth of bloody stuff from when he was six to chop up and stick in the book. But like, yeah, he also, um, while he was listed as a co-author of the book, 
Kevin Malarkey is listed as the only claimant of the copyright, basically meaning gets all the cash. And he's responsible for, you know, whatever, ever, any proceeds. So proceeds, lucrative, it turns out. Um, as I said, went on the New York Times bestseller list. Then Kevin Malarkey managed to build a, a whole speaking career on um, the book, traveling, giving interviews, very notably minus Alex at this point. So the book was really doing well. And the fan, fan account on Facebook had been set up and in 2011, um, an account with the name Alex Malarkey left a cryptic comment on a post, quote, one of the most deceptive books ever. Damning. From the co-author himself. So this incited the ire of many of the book's fans, and the comment was deleted, and Alex was blocked from his own fan page. <laughs> um, and then no one could confirm if it was definitely Alex, but from what's happened since, we really know it was Alex. He was now a teenager, he had a computer that he could operate using his mouth. Um, so he totally had the, you know, the possibility of doing this. And then Beth, who she managed to screen grab the thread before it was deleted, and then she reposted it onto her own blog, where she had been dealing for a long time about how she felt her son was being exploited. And are they still together at this stage? So, yeah. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they don't actually get divorced until, like, two years ago. But they're not on good terms. Right. No. Really bad. I would say. Toxic. Look, say. on the bonus here, the yeah. family are getting financially supported. There is a good, a, po a positive, no? Mm. <laughs> it's really hairy though, isn't it? Well, whatever you gotta do to get through. I mean, as, I'm sure like it's America, the medical bills are, I'm sure, astronomical. True. They are, and let me tell you, Kevin was not coughing up. What? It's his family. I mean, in, in theory, that's all their money too. I don't know whether, like, he was, he was around the place. So and I don't know if he was like complaining because his gold shoes were pinching while they were like, you know, I don't know. Getting something important for his or, So is Yeah, he, like he, it, well, Beth and Alex insist that they never saw a penny of the book money, which was like a million total, half a million, that was the advance, then half a million in sales and stuff like what that. What did he do with it? I mean, he definitely doesn't have like the kind of life that suggests he put it into anything useful. So, yeah. who knows? Good job, Kevin. I don't know. Basically, expensive churches mm. <laughs> gave it back via the gave stuffing it, it into the collection boxes as they just acting the big man of mass. Yeah, say <laughs> Kevin. Um, so. Beth the whole time was like battling to just extract her son from this um, like completely fraudulent book that he had, his name was on that he wasn't happy about, and she was like onto the publishers endlessly trying to break their contract and trying to be like, you know, Alex has retracted everything in this book. It's so a he's basically fraud. just grown up and become grown a teenager and been, been like, guys, I was six, I was not on the lap of Jesus. Totally. I was in a coma. I was unwell. Yeah. And, uh, there and were the publishers no were real dicks about it and basically refused. 
and it was rumbling on for years. Like there's reams of like t very tedious uh, legal letters between them and things like that. And then like Beth was home caring for four kids. So Alex is the oldest of four. And uh, Kev was like off making bank on the accident that he caused, which severely damaged his son forever. Fuck Kevin. Fuck Kevin. <laughs> so eventually, in 2015, Alex took matters into his own hands and he posted a statement to um, a Christian site, in his words, please forgive the brevity, but because of my limitations, I have to keep this short. I did not die. I did not go to heaven. I said I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. Who's six? When I made the claims I did, I had never read the Bible. People have profited from lies and continue to. They should read the Bible, which is enough. The Bible is the only source of truth. Anything written by man cannot be infallible. Blah, blah, blah. In Christ, Alex Malarkey. So he admitted it was all spoofery. Completely. So but then finally, he's still pushing the Bible. Well, no, oh, yeah. No, he's quite spiritual oh, still. Yes. But at least he's not like, you know, listen to this snake oil salesman, my father. So what happened then? So um, the, finally, the publishers were like, Oh, it's not real? Oh, we better take this book off the shelves, even though they've known for four years and battled to keep the book on the shelves and selling. And um, so they were pulled from the shelves. Alex was kind of freed from 10 years of deception. Um, but the whole family is in bits. Oh, it's insane. It is a mess. I feel like this is like one of those Irish essays that you'd be like, good tub and douche it, This would never, uh, suddenly I woke up. Yeah, yeah, you went yeah. every Irish essay. <laughs> like, this would never happen in Ireland at all. This could be true in Ireland and no one would believe it. True. <laughs> so anyway, in 2018, Alex uh, sued the publisher for defamation and exploitation. And it was that year that Beth and Kev called it quits. <laughs> I guess after literally years of just toxic, simmering resentment in that house. I think Kevin lived in a kind of a little house on the property. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Good for him. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, all the fine, like uh, Kevin completely disappeared out of sight. So much so that the Washington Post erroneously reported that he died in 2018. <laughs> and then he came back. <laughs> and he rose again. The man he foolishly didn't parlay Paddington. What a buddy. Yeah, he's, he broke his silence earlier last year and he spoke to uh, Slate uh, about the whole thing. And... Um, like, he doesn't really have a leg to stand on, clearly. Did he confess? So well, that's sure. a he just insensitive turn of phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even laughing at that, Cassie. <laughs> he said that... Um, you can cut that. <laughs> he hadn't spoken previously because God said that he didn't want him to. So it's very handy for Christians, really. So get out of jail. There's a kind there. of a very, yeah, like just mm. kind of passing the book. God, to, I mean, hey, yeah, yeah. And um, so, anyway, um, most he claims most of the money had been spent on Alex's care, or given to his church, or God, or other Christian charities. And anyway, it's all gone now. So shh. <laughs> that's not a direct quote, but yes, that's kind of what he said. 
Alex spoke in the same article and said that yes, he made the whole thing up. And he said it started from a mix-up, that when he woke from his coma, fair enough, disorientated, he was groggily looking around and in the bright hallway beyond the dark room, um, he saw his father talking to someone and he thought it was an angel, maybe muscular. I, I, I don't know about Kev's physique. He's a big buff doctor. And he just thought he was dead momentarily. And then, like, you can sort of just see it snowballing, oh, can't you? Oh. And um, it's mad because, like, Kevin just fucked his life there, um, you know, when he was six. And then just that tiny bit of misremembered randomness told to the wrong man, who unfortunately was your father. And then the, the, the rest, like his life up to date, has been completely marred by this bullshit. Um, so anyway, look, it's, it's actually just a mess. There's nowhere, good to, there's nowhere good to end on this. Like Alex is like 20, in his early 20s now, apparently very charismatic. I'm sure that'll get you everywhere, as Kevin well knows. Look, there's no harm later on if he decides he he'll do something. He cool wasn't with his lying life. after all, and he needs. I mean, it's a fallback option. Yeah, everyone needs a good plan. Yeah. Everyone maybe. needs a. Everyone, you know, whatever. I think it's you know if you want to take a bit of money from you know. I mean, if you want to make a million quid by saying you went to heaven and people buy the book, fair. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. The hardest part about writing a book is sitting down and writing it. So fair play to him for doing that. <laughs> I don't know, there was a ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> a big buff ghostwriter. Yeah, very much here. <laughs> Alex had first met him in the lap of Jesus. And the ghostwriter didn't want his name um, out there at all. It was Lisa. She's pretty damning. Yeah. Local woman ghostwriter. Local woman. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't didn't want to be associated with it at all. Oh God, here's to, here's to Jesus. Oh, no. Lab of Jesus. Thank you, Sophie. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for coming. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.